time to show the world that top is what I strive for. Greatness is a journey I'm willing to strive for. Consistency is key and I don't take no time off. Against the odds, I put it all on the line for. A lesson learned for every flaw I'm gonna make. Consequence I undertake. Putting all my trust and faith. Failure overcome my fate. Ten toes down, I never fall. Give it all to reach my goal. That's my name is Stone, but my story's told. Say I did it for the... All right, welcome, and it's great to be back with you so soon. Wasn't worship amazing? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to the second service. Hey, it's great to be back with you so soon. I want to welcome everybody that's here in person, our Branchville campus, those who are watching online now and later. Wasn't it amazing to celebrate a great Easter as we just worshiped and praised Christ? Thank him not only for raising from the dead to pay for our sins, but for opening the doors to an everlasting life for all of us. It's always so great to be in the house of God together. I, I have a question for you today, and, and as always, I want to be super practical. I, I want to fill you with hope, but I want you to know beforehand that it's not a, a false hope. Here, here's my question. Have you ever asked yourself, why, why can't I change? Why can't I change? Why can't I stick to a diet? Why can't I learn a foreign language? Why can't I stop smoking? Why can't I quit? I mean, you fill in the blank. Perhaps you've promised God and yourself over and over again that you're going to stop something or you're going to begin something, but somehow you just get pulled back into the same old, same old of life. I, I promise you, I could stick to a diet if I would just lose 20 pounds in the first week. I need that kind of motivation. My problem is that I start to diet, and at the end of the week, I'm always two pounds heavier. I know, I can't help it. Dieting just makes me hungry. <laughs> you know, maybe it's your desire to change is something even more serious, but perhaps you ask yourself, why can't I be a better dad? Why can't I get out of debt? Why can't I overcome anger? Why can't I be a better spouse? Why can't I stop looking at porn? Why, why, why? We'll pray together, and we're going to we're going to tackle the answer to that. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. I need you to come and fill me. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak because it's nothing that I have to say. But I pray today that you would open our heart. You would open our mind to the truths of your word, the, the reality of who you are, the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of Christ. God, open our hearts and minds and speak. For I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you're like me today, maybe you're a little bit frustrated with trying and ready to start succeeding. Maybe, you know, and if that's true, then I, I kind of have good news for you. I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that absolute change is absolutely possible. Uh, let me say that again. I, I believe that you can change. I don't want to give you this pie in the sky hope. I don't want to tell you that change is easy, but I do want to tell you that change is possible. And then anyone, including you, can change. Let, let me put it another way. I believe with God's help, you can begin to choose what you want most over what you want now. With God's help, you can begin to choose what you want most over what you want now. There is hope. But before we talk about how to succeed, there are some biblical truths, some absolute truths that you must absolutely begin to believe. 
There are some mindset changes that you may have to come to in order to start succeeding in life and to stop failing. The first is you were absolutely created to succeed. I don't know if you understand that or not, but you, you were painted by a master and you were absolutely created to succeed. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, Paul says this, but God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So I'm not working my way to heaven. He said salvation is, a is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. But he goes on to say, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, far, far too many of us see ourselves as piles of garbage, hopeless wrecks, unable to change. Maybe you feel that way at 15. Maybe you feel that way at 50. If we were truly asked to define the way we feel about ourselves, it, it probably would be anything but masterpiece. Some would say, well, I'm, I'm a you want me to define me? I'm angry. I'm, I'm stupid. I'm sick. I'm poor. I'm fat. I'm a terrible spouse. I'm a mess. And yet God's word defines anyone who has accepted Christ as a masterpiece. And newsflash, even if you haven't accepted Christ... He still adores and loves you. Christ still died on the cross to pay for you. David wrote these words in Psalms. One of the, the greatest king of Israel ever wrote these words. Psalms 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Knit me together in my mother's womb. Remember Paul's words? You were created as a masterpiece by God. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is a marvel. How well I know it. He goes on to say, how precious are your thoughts about me? Do you understand that God thinks about you? Do, do you get that? He said, your thoughts, oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Well, you might say, yeah, but Rick, you don't know the things I'm done. Well, David wrote these words. And the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's heart, but it also tells us that in a moment of great weakness and sin, he committed adultery and then followed that act up with murder. Did his good outweigh his bad? I don't know. I just know that there's not some cosmic scale up in heaven keeping track. It's just kind of you and me doing all we can to love God and others and messing up and making up. And yet God still sticks with us in this, this, this rat race. We're all in a race, aren't we? Don't you, don't you just feel like you're just always in a race? Listen, it's time for every one of you, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how successful, no matter how unsuccessful you are or aren't, it's time to get over that garbage mentality and onto the masterpiece mentality. You do not have to fail. Occasionally, a great piece of art can get damaged. A few, few years ago, Linda and I went to the Louvre in Paris, and we saw the Mona Lisa. I don't know. I'm hoping we have a picture of it up there. Do we have it? Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, in 1956, I studied the Mona Lisa. The lower part of the Mona Lisa was severely damaged when a vandal doused the painting with acid while it was on display in the Montauban, France. On December 30th of that same year, a young Bolivian named, I love saying his name, Hugo Nganza Villegas. Isn't that beautiful? I wish that was my name. Hugo Nganza Villegas threw a rock at the painting that resulted in the loss of a speck of pigment near the left elbow. 
which was later painted over. In April of 1974, a woman upset by the museum's policy for disabled sprayed red paint at the painting while it was on display in, in Tokyo. You know what? Occasionally, great pieces of art can get damaged. People throw garbage on them. People get mad. People don't like them. People are jealous. But you know what the museum doesn't do? It doesn't throw it away. It doesn't count it as worthless or unworthy. They clean those things up and they revitalize them. Why? Because they're not garbage. Despite being damaged, they never threw the Mona Lisa away. And God isn't interested in throwing, interested in throwing you or me away. You were absolutely created to succeed. And you need to grasp that. I don't care if the world has sprayed paint on you, thrown acid on you, thrown garbage on you. You rolled in the mud. That's one more mindset that you have to accept before we can talk about how to change. Not only were you created to succeed, but you absolutely can succeed. Ephesians 2, remember Paul said, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created as a new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Catch that wording. Meditate on it. We can do the good things. So many of us have convinced ourselves that we can't do what we want to do. We can't accomplish what we want to accomplish. We tried and tried again. We failed so many times. But I want to assure you that you absolutely can succeed. The other day, my daughter, Katie, and the grandkids were driving back <coughs> from the St. Matthew's Mall in Louisville. And Katie randomly said, I want to learn to play the, ban the banjo. You know, and, and someday I, I want to play in this, maybe some local little country band. And I started to say, that's crazy. <laughs> or, well, that ship has sailed. But you know what? I immediately thought, you know what? You are still pretty young. Suppose it took you 10 years to learn the banjo. The, the, the kids could stay with dad and only go to gigs that were local. Or you could learn to play the banjo. And you know what? You could be in a local band. Why not? I said to a 35-year-old recently, you're 35. If you wanted to be a doctor, suppose it took you 10 years. Now you're 45 and you're a doctor. Do you ever think about that? You're so worried about where you are right now that you can't visualize where you could be. When I have been faced with situations that I thought I could never overcome, and believe me, in my 59 years, there's been a lot of them. Times when I found myself in foreign countries planting churches or caught up with ministering to people I had no clue how to reach. Or so many times when I was like, there isn't enough money to even pay the rent, let alone live on. The words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 have come to my mind time and time again. I cannot get off of these verses. Paul, writing from a Roman prison writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 4 verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Once again, I want you to ponder the words of the Bible and meditate on it. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
Folks, you absolutely can succeed. What I mean, you can stop smoking. You can stop screaming. You can stop being so angry. You can start being the dad or the mom you want to be. Start being the husband or wife that your spouse desperately wants and needs you to be. Or you can learn how to play the banjo. The most obnoxious instrument in the world other than perhaps the bagpipe. But if you want to play it, play it. You got to get those two mindsets down. If you want to, if you want to unlock, if you can grab onto those truths, then you can change. You were create, you were absolutely created to succeed, and you can succeed. Well, it's time to move on to how to succeed. First, you've got to stop trying and start training. You've got to stop trying. We have tried long enough. Let me put it another way. It might be time to get serious about changing. Look at Paul's words to the struggling church in Corinth. He writes this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Folks, we're all running. But only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away But we do it for an eternal prize. I am in this race called Christianity. I'm running towards Christ. I'm running towards leading others to Jesus. I'm running towards the kingdom of God. He said, all all, all are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not playing around here. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. I I think I told you the story, but it bears repeating. I was in college, and I was laying on the beach. One of my best friends, his name was Dan Keating. And I looked at Dan, and I said, Dan, do you think I'm getting enough sun? And he turned to me, and he said, Rick, you have the body of a Greek god. And then he turned back and said, and when he finds out what you've done with it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Why aren't we succeeding? Why aren't we winning? Why can't we change? I submit to you it's because we spent way too much much time trying and not enough time training. What's the difference? Well, trying never achieves results. Trying is half-hearted. The definition of trying is trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. I, I've been trying to get up earlier to work out. I, I, I bought this elliptical machine. Here's what I've told myself. If I wake up earlier than usual, I will jump on that machine and work out. I'll start off slow and I'll work my way up. Here's what I've never done. Got up early to work out on that machine. Once I set my alarm, but in the middle of the night I woke up and turned it off. <laughs> True story. See, trying it is, you all can identify, can't you? Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. It's fooling ourselves into thinking we might do better tomorrow if we want to. Here's the problem. We don't want to. You know why I don't set the alarm to get up early? Because I don't want to get up early. I want to sleep. But I believe that with God's help, you can begin to choose what you want most over what you want now. There is hope. Well, training is a totally different experience than trying. Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a different result. 
a wholehearted commitment to achieve a different result. Paul said all athletes are disciplined in their training. He said they do it to win a prize. They have a goal in mind. He said, I run with a purpose. I discipline my body. I train so that I will not be disqualified. Now, Paul wrote this to the church that he had planted in a city called Corinth. And that was in Greece. And Greece is where they started the Olympics. His audience would have immediately grasped the illustration. You see, in Corinth, they did a mini version of the Olympics. But just because it was mini doesn't mean it wasn't serious. I read it. It started with 10 months of strict training, during which you could not drink any alcohol, and you were put on a special diet, catch this, with no cheat days. You had to expose yourself to extreme heat, extreme cold, and at some point, for a reason I cannot factor, you would be required to eat sand. I don't get that one. That alone would have made me say, I'm out. If you dropped out because it got too hard or you were just too lazy, then you would be beaten with the whip. Don't overlook that. Beaten with a whip. The word here used in the Greek to define training, strict training, is agonozomai. Now, what do you think we get from that word? Agony. It means to contend for victory, to strain with every nerve in your body to reach your goal. If you or I ever want to win at anything we're, <clears throat> we're trying to accomplish, if we want to succeed instead of failing, then we have to begin to train and stop trying. Training is a half-hearted attempt to change. It's lying in bed saying, if I wake up, I'll exercise. It's saying, I'll, I'll do what I can to be nicer to my wife tomorrow. It's saying, I'll stop yelling at the kids so much from now on. Tomorrow I'll work on getting out of debt, but doing absolutely nothing different to change. Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a different result. It's defining the goal you want to reach. It's committing that goal to the Lord and then straining with every nerve in your body to reach that goal. It's you saying and meaning, if God wants me to do it, then I'm going to do it. Folks, if you want to stop failing and start winning, then you must stop trying and start training. Let me give you an example that burdens my heart. In fact, I would say that that this example may be the number one reason that people's prayers do not get answered. This this thing that so many people are trying to do and yet seem unable to accomplish, I I honestly believe that this may be the number one reason that prayers don't get answered. I hear a lot of Christians say, I'm trying to forgive. I'm trying to forgive someone who hurt hurt me in the past or cheated me or in some way did me wrong. Uh, I'm trying, but somehow I just can't do it. And yet the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the early church, Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I remember a time driving down the highway, and I had done something particularly just, I, 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 I had got caught up and I was doing the wrong thing and I knew it and I was praying to the Lord and confessing to God and this guy came over, switch lanes and bumped my car. Now I'm doing like 70 miles an hour. 
I got so furious. I hit the gas. I was going 100. I was chasing him in and out. And you know what? This verse came to my mind, and God said, you need to forgive him. Because what you did is far worse than him bumping you in traffic. And I don't know what's happened to you, but Jesus said, you're to forgive just as God has forgiven you. Here's Jesus' response to a question asked by one of his disciples. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? See, Peter would have thought that was huge because the rabbis at that time taught, you have to forgive somebody three times. So he's like, Lord, I'm doubling it. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. During Christ's longness recorded in the sermon, the Gospel of Matthew, he wrote these words. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give others, forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That ought to scare you to death. The Bible commands us to forgive, tells us that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. And yet so many Christians will say, they hurt me and I just can't forgive them. I've tried or I am trying. Do you know why you're not able to forgive? Because you don't want to. You know why I don't get up at 6 a.m. and go work out? Because I don't want to. That's just... Let's at least be honest. If you're not going to forgive, then just say, I don't care what Jesus said. I don't want to. I believe that's the number one reason for unanswered prayers. Guys, it's time to stop trying to forgive and to start forgiving. It's not that you can't, it's that you won't. Over the years, I've had bad people and good friends betray me. I've had them tarnish my name with lies and half-truths. I've been used... Some have cost me socially. I've had family members who we have paid their rent, loved on, that completely for no reason disowned us and our children. But you know what? Today, many of those people are still my good friends because I have totally forgiven them. And you know why I totally forgive them? Because I'm terrified not to. I I want to live my life in obedience to God. And that does not depend on what others have done. I don't know who this is for, but you might need to stop this garbage of I'm trying to forgive and start just forgiving. That's just one example of how we need to stop trying and start doing. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Time to stop trying and start forgiving. I know it's hard, but anything worth doing is hard. Remember our word for straining, agonozomai? To agonize. I don't want to forgive you, but I don't have a choice. Guys, it's time to stop trying and start doing. Let me give you another step towards success. Make a plan. Make a plan. Set a goal and run towards it. Listen, if I tell you that in a year, or if you tell me in a year, hey, Rick, I'm going to be a better dad in three months, six months, next year. I'm going to say, that is phenomenal. That is great. And I am going to celebrate with you. Then I'm going to ask you what steps you're going to take to accomplish that goal. Because here's the deal. If you can't tell me your plan, you don't have a plan. 
I want to know how you're going to train to win. I want to know what your plan is. If you can't tell me your plan, you don't have a plan. Everybody knows the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Over the I, 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 last time I was here, I shared with you guys that I, I asked you to pray for me because I wanted, I, you know, I'm bivocational. I'm here, but I'm also, to, I'm also in, in Louisville working. And I shared with you, please pray for me because I want to change, I want to stay in the company, but I want to change positions. You see, over the past 10 months, I've been dealing with anxiety. I, I've prayed about it over and over again. I've submitted to God. Those are the first two steps that all of us must take if we want true change. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. But I'm going to say something that may make you want to stone me. Sometimes praying about something is just not enough. Just hoping that God will change your situation is not enough. Sometimes God expects you to get up and do something about it. I had a friend one time who sat down on the ground and said, if God is God and he answers prayers, then I'm going to pray for him to stand me up. And I'm going to say, he is standing you up. He gave you two legs. Sometimes you've got to just stand up. Because here's the truth. God will do for you what you can't do, but what you can do, he fully expects you to do. Now, before you stone me for saying that sometimes prayer isn't enough, let me give you an awesome Old Testament example. Exodus chapter 14. God has delivered his people from many years of slavery. In fact, 400 years of back-breaking years, to be exact. You know the story. God calls Moses to go to the Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no way. So God sends one plague. Pharaoh says, no. God sends two plagues. Pharaoh says, After the 10th plague, Pharaoh's like, Get out and take your people with you. But out of spite, the Pharaoh changes his mind and begins to pursue the Israelites with all he has. And these are not warriors. Pharaoh has an army. He amasses chariots and chases them down, and he finds them on the bank of the Red Sea, and he intends to destroy them. And who isn't destroyed is going right back into slavery. Picture this scene. The Israelites see the Egyptians. They're, they're banked on the river and, and the, on the Red Sea. And they see these Egyptians just thundering down on them. And the Bible says they started crying out to Moses and blaming and complaining and saying things like, oh, man, if only we had just, we could just go back into slavery and just, and, and, and then Moses starts crying out to God. It's a terrifying scene. You're unarmed and yet people are thundering down on you. Moses starts crying out, and God's response to, to the people and to Moses is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Exodus 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Is that phenomenal? Why are you praying? Stop praying and start moving. That's God. I, I wondered to how many of us this morning he is saying, why are you crying out to me? I get it. I've heard your prayer, but now it's time for you to do something about it. If you don't like where your life is right now, then make a plan. You were created to succeed, and you can succeed. 
For 10 months, I dealt with this crushing anxiety. I prayed about it. I submitted it to God. And then finally, I made a plan. I called the owner of the company. And I don't know why, but God has given me favor with this guy from 25 years ago when I worked for him. And, and for some reason, he owned, he's a multimillionaire, owns several companies, but somehow God has laid me on his heart from 25 years ago, which by the way, that is so God, isn't it? That's so God. Something that happened 10 years ago, the Lord might use it for you today or tomorrow. That is so God, always, always orchestrating. So I called the owner of the company and told him that I wanted to switch positions. He said, I don't want you to switch positions because you're making me a lot of money. But I was honest with him. I said, hey, the current position was not a good fit for me mentally, but there's a position in the company that's perfect for me. Training, overseeing the staff, training, doing all that, uh, uh, you know, closing deals and teaching people. I said, I would be perfect for that. And I could make the company even more money. Well, you know what? He went for it. He said, give me two weeks. He said, give me two months. I said, no, I'm not doing this for two more months. He said, two weeks. I said, I'll give you two weeks. After one week, he moved me into a new position, and I love it. That's not all I did, though, to overcome this anxiety, because I've gone through anxiety before. I also started meeting with a professional Christian psychologist on a regular basis. And if you think Christians shouldn't meet with psychologists, then you need a psychologist. <laughs> if you need help, get help. And I'm happy to say that my anxiety has decreased by about 90 to 95%. Why? Because I made a plan and I stuck, stuck with it. You want to be a better dad? You can be. What's your plan? You want to get out of debt? You can. What's your plan? I know that, that people have been signing up, I think, for Dave Ramsey courses in this church. If you're serious about getting out of debt, get in those courses. You, you want to get out of debt, you can. What's your plan? Because if you can't tell me your plan, you don't have a plan. What do you want to accomplish over the next five years of your life? It's time to stop trying and start training. It's time to agonize. Because in the end, the agony was worth it. You can do it. But you need to write out a plan exactly how you're going to do it and then submit that plan to the Lord. Remember Proverbs 3, 16, 16, 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Why? Remember I started off with the question, why can't I change? You know what the true answer to that question is? You absolutely can change. And so can I. The number one thing I would love for you to change, if you're here today or you're listening online and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it might be time for you to stop thinking about coming to Christ and go to Christ. It, it, it might be time to stop saying, you know what, I'm, I'm investigating this Christianity. I'm, I'm kind of starting to come to Christ and to come to Christ. I want to give everybody an opportunity. If you've never done this, if you've never simply called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then take that first step and you watch. You will be amazed at how much God will begin to change your life. I'd like everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Pray for those who don't know Christ to come to Christ. But if you're here today or you're listening online and you don't know Christ, I want to encourage you right now to simply say, God, 
the best I know how, I believe you loved me and died for me. I want you to be my Savior. If you've never done that, that is the greatest change that you will never regret. God, the best I know how, I believe you loved me and died on the cross to pay for my sins. The Bible said if we will submit our plans to the Lord, they will succeed. Folks, walk out of here knowing you're not garbage, man. You were created to succeed. You can succeed. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. God, we want to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, there are people out here in this audience that want desperately to change, and God, they absolutely can't. Give them wisdom. Give them direction. Strengthen them, Father. We love you and we worship you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys.